Steve Chambers is the owner and operator of Chambers Cleaners in Milledgeville. First elected in a special election in 1988, he has served greater than five non-consecutive terms on city council. His current tenure began in 2006. He is the incumbent candidate running in the November general election against challenger Daisy Childs. Steve Chambers, thank you for joining me on Military Matters. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to be here and look forward for uh, this campaign coming up and uh, the election. Well, we'll start right off right there. Why are you asking voters in Milledgeville's 6th District for another four years on city council? I think that there is a situation where if you run and are elected and you have consecutive terms, that you find there are things that you want to do, that you want to see come to fruition. And with that, uh, there's never a situation to where you get everything accomplished. But at the same time, there are things that you want to be able to follow and try to lead through with it. Is there any one thing that comes to the top of mind when you think about your tenure in that way? I, one of the things that we have that is going to make a difference in the future is our water and sewer system, our infrastructure, uh, re-establishing uh, our uh, uh, plants that we have, making sure that they are up to date. Uh, they are currently not, and we have some things in the work. We had uh, looked at the possibility of building a new uh, water plant, but now we're looking more at uh, refurbishing everything that we have. And then the infrastructure itself, we have some older pipes that need to be replaced. And and that's going to take longer than the next four years, but uh, we can get a good start. Who or what has inspired you to public service? And once reelected, what will you do to carry that spirit forward? I think my upbringing, and that is uh, from my parents, that they have been involved as I was growing up. They were involved with either the Chamber of Commerce. My mother was involved with different clubs and organizations, and, and it's just a part of giving back to a community. And I think everyone needs to try to fulfill that at some point in time. It's just how you decide to do that. Um, when I first was, uh, got married, uh, to my wife, Teresa, uh, her father, my father-in-law, uh, Carl Wilkinson was very much involved with politics and, uh, he kind of did this, uh, on the outside looking in, but just really enjoyed, uh, being, uh, in a position to where he could help individuals. Uh, he was very thoughtful in the process of what uh, things needed to be done within the community, so on and so forth. And I kind of I learned a little bit from him and got that uh, fever and uh, more or less decided to, to give it a shot. Now, what can we do to improve people's opinion of both current residents and those who reside elsewhere about the Milledgeville Baldwin County community? When I was growing up, 
the opinion of anyone that was uh, that knew anything about Milledgeville, Baldwin County, was directly related to Central State Hospital. That certainly is not a situation that uh, that we deal with as far as identity is concerned. Now, uh, Central State is uh, is taking a uh, total rebirth, and uh, you know we, I think what. What we end up with of where we're kind of looked at now is is uh, Georgia College and State University and GMC and our uh, technical school and a center for education. And I think as uh, Central State uh, becomes morphed into something else and whatever it eventually uh, completely becomes, I think that will be part of our identity also. What will you do in the next four years to help our different governing bodies break out of their silos and take a more holistic approach to building our community's future? That is indeed an all-encompassing question. I think that any town, city, county, education entity has a situation from where they get so busy with everything within their own realm that they have a hard time in seeing everything else going on around them. Uh, I think also at the same time, there is uh, there are times of jealousy of, uh, of one entity, one government, uh, one association, one whatever, having what is uh, believed to be some success and sometimes thought to be at the expense of another entity. It's very difficult on an ongoing basis to get everybody together to pull together. When it's done, it, uh, it, the ramifications are excellent for a community. Uh, I think that... It's been tried uh, several times to consolidate uh, Milledgeville and Baldwin County, and, and um, you know, I think probably at some point in time we're going to see that, and I hope that if that does come to fruition that it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up making a situation to where we can once and for all work for the common good of everybody and not just city residents and residents that live outside the city limits. And in your last response, you mentioned that um, time does offer opportunities for these differing bodies to come together. Are there any opportunities or issues that you see right now where that could um, offer an opportunity uh, to bring all of the stakeholders together uh, for some of those possibilities? Having just uh, completed the service delivery, and uh, I was one of the individuals that was on the committee uh, that met uh, extensively over a year and a half, two year period, uh, there were so many things that came up, so many ideas, so many uh, different departments within each uh, individual government that have overlap, that have uh, crossover, that... Uh, that I think that we really could 
get to work and, and try to make these things uh, consolidated, whether or not the governments are. Um, one in particular, uh, and I, I hate to point out anything, but one in particular is, uh, is the fire department. And uh, the fire department has mutual aid. And we, um, you know, the, the city is there for the county and the county is there for the city. And, and sometimes uh, even with a city fire, a county fire department may be the first one there because they're uh, within reach in a quicker uh, route to it. Um, but that's just one uh, example, I think, that uh, certainly, you know, could, could bear some, some more thought about trying to, uh, to get together with it. And how can we make civic life more accessible to our residents? In other words, how do we get them, how can uh, we either, you know, us in the media, but especially elected representatives, uh, better engage residents to engage in these conversations and get towards our community's future? That's something that most elected officials struggle with, and that is community involvement. Um, there, there's not a lot of, of um, interest until something is uh, not done in a manner of which uh, the general public thinks maybe it ought to be. And that's unfortunate. Um, our meetings have been broadcast uh, for years. They're now on YouTube. Um, and I, I, don't, I doubt that there is a, a big following. I, I would think that there are individuals out there, but I think that's their individual interest. Um, unfortunately, collectively, for uh, the, the residents, I don't think that overall it's, it's going to be one of those situations where everybody has that general interest. Um, until I was elected, I didn't know a whole lot about what goes on. Uh, when I first got elected, I still didn't know a whole lot about what goes on. And it takes a while. There, it, is, uh, it is very complicated, especially when you get there and you find out what all happens on a daily basis, on a monthly basis. And, and uh, I think that sometimes is a little bit more than people want to absorb. They tend to take individual events more so than the overall picture. Are there rewards for um, what I hear to being a deep dive into the inner workings of our communities? And what are some of them? Oh, I think there are. I think the the rewards can be anything from uh, just being knowledgeable and being able to uh, speak effectively to individuals on the street or whatever as to uh, what a problem uh, that someone perceives is there and, and if there are any answers. Uh, there's, uh, there's always that chance that I run into somebody somewhere that wants to know what's going on. And I think more than anything, uh, whether with our votes, uh, we, we certainly uh, make a presence, but I think more than anything, we're a voice that is a direct link, and especially on a local level, from what is going on in government back to the individual voters.
In your opinion, what is the role in our community of the students who come to Milledgeville to take advantage of our institutions of higher education? There again, I think that there has been a role that has been created by Georgia College, especially, and I think I see some of it at, uh, at GMC, and that is uh, for involvement within the community and and whether that be through fraternity organizations or just um, what Georgia College has, has done, and that is uh, to make everybody involved on a particular day or a particular weekend or whatever in, in uh, doing things for residents, uh, for elderly, for uh, different uh, food um, organizations that help those that are, are uh, unfortunate. Um, I think that is a way of, of being able to to kind of get involved a little bit, but still be on the outside looking in. Uh, beyond that, I, I think uh, you know it's it's still it comes down to an individual's interest about uh, what what they want to do. We see uh, classes that are required to come to uh, to our meetings. Um, Sometimes there is genuine involvement and interest, and other times you can see that somebody's just going through the motion. And uh, and I understand that. Uh, you know, if if you're interested, uh, it's great. But uh, if you're not, it can be brutal. And uh, you know, I I think that uh, what what we're going to see and what we have seen with the growth of the college as far as the population is that we have a bigger number of individuals that are interested. And I think if, uh, if we can maintain some of these individuals and have them uh, live here and work here and everything, that some of those will, will be our next representatives. What can city council do to make sure current Milledgeville residents and people who want to move to our community have access to affordable housing? That's a million-dollar question with a $100 million price tag on it. And about um, a, a $30 window within which to uh, answer it. <laughs> right. And it, it's, um, you know, that's affordable housing is... Um, I think what you're going to see is that there are some older neighborhoods that that need some some um, tender loving care. They need some some upkeep, some uh, refurbishing, and as that happens, what uh, I, I think there's there's always going to be a struggle between student housing, rental property and affordable property for individuals living here that are working and, and uh, have uh, completed school or, or, or beyond that. And um, I, I, I think it's, 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 a, uh, it's a situation where it's going to be tough to, um, to focus completely on that without going to the extent of creating some new areas to live, and by that, new neighborhoods. Uh, 
Of course, the Baldwin County government is responsible for providing the existing public transportation system. But even in one of Georgia's smaller counties, the existing system is not enough to connect everyone to the educational, medical, commercial, and civic resources they need. But what are your ideas for improving access to viable public transportation in our community? I don't know that there's an answer for that. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the a lot of the public funds that uh, enhanced that years ago have dried up, and uh, what you found was that you had a lot of counties that uh, definitely made some strides and uh, positive strides in that direction. But then, as a lot of times uh, when federal and state governments kind of get you going, then they yank the rug out from under you and and you're left with paying the total bill. And uh, I think that, you know, when you, you, you have two sides of this, you try to make that public transportation affordable for those that need transportation, but at the same time, you've got to cover cost. And, and how, how do you do that? It's very expensive uh, to do this, to, to, uh, to not only uh, keep up these buses and, and vans and so on and so forth and, and provide drivers and insurance and so on and so forth, uh, as you can imagine what uh, the liability end of things is when, uh, when you're taking other individuals and, and you're you know, putting them in your hands. Uh, I don't. I really have not looked at it a lot to uh, know what there is, but I know that the county has, and that uh, they struggle with it. Uh, it uh, it's one of those that uh, you know you you have so much within that pot to spend, and you have to try to decide where do you allocate all those funds. And this is one of those areas that uh, a lot of times does come up short. When you have a situation like that where the need is great, uh, but there's such a limited amount of resources, is it kind of hard to uh, get out of the frame of keeping going what is there and working uh, to try to find what else may be available? And and I don't mean to confine that just to public transportation, but to any of the issues uh, that you deal with as a, a member of uh, the Milledgeville City Council or any governing body at the local level. Oh, very much so. And, I, you know, there, there are so many good ideas that come out of, of uh, individuals getting together that are elected or just on committees or whatever. And there, there are certain requirements that any government has that are at the top of the echelon, and that would be uh, public safety. Uh, that would be uh, fire protection. And those things are very expensive. Those um, provisions that uh, for water and for sewer, uh, they're, they're, they also are very expensive. Uh, the only thing about water and sewer is that you can charge for that and you can recoup your expenses and hopefully make enough to be able to reinvest. Uh, with um, you know public safety, it's, it's very difficult to even come close to um, paying for much of anything through tickets or citations or court services or whatever. Uh, you just uh, you don't have that much that comes back from uh, being able to present that for the public. Having said that, that uses up 
sometimes 60-70% of what pot that you have to be able to draw from. And if you don't, then, then you think about, so what all do we have left? And you start naming them off, and you've got 10, 15, 20 different departments uh, that offer services that have to get it from that small of a, uh, of a pot. And, and uh, so then allocation comes down to a perceived importance. And, you know, sometimes things are left behind. Uh, Sometimes those things come to the forefront because uh, people from within the public uh, raise their voice and they want to, uh, to establish something. But uh, nine times out of ten, if, if money, more money goes into one area, it's going to come out of another. So some, somewhere is going to be hurting any time that you start moving money around. It is my opinion that uh, downtown Milledgeville is a model of successful revitalization. Uh, but what can the city of Milledgeville do to help spur revitalization in other areas of our city? And where would you start if you had that opportunity? I think there, there's two areas that that I would start. Uh, one is on uh, 441 North, North Columbia. Uh People would say that it's, you know, it, it's the busiest place in town by far, but uh, it also is the most congested. It is the hardest area to be able to get around, to get in and out of, of different shopping areas. It also has uh, probably the largest uh, vacant building uh, section within our whole community uh, as far as commercial property is concerned. Uh, one of the things that I would like to see done is that um, we, uh, as far as the city is concerned, is that we have someone that is uh, put in a position to be able to help try to fill uh, vacant buildings. Uh, we're, uh, we're looking at a study that has just been uh, completed not too long ago by DOT at, uh, as to how they're going to rework uh, Robertson Mill, North Columbia, Dunlap area, which is a highly congested area from there all the way up to the Walmart Shopping Center. And uh, quite a few ideas have come out of that. Uh, looking forward to some of that uh, coming to fruition and hoping that uh, it'll make it a safer route for everybody. Uh, the other section uh, would be the south side of town that uh, has taken a tremendous hit uh, once Central State Hospital and the prisons uh, closed. And uh, what I'm hoping will happen from there is that uh, as uh, the Central State Hospital property uh, begins to uh, uh, grow and, and really take on um, uh, some employment opportunities, that that will in turn help the south side of town and that there's going to be some reinvestment and in, uh, in especially in uh, commercial property as well as um, uh, in housing. What are your ideas for making Milledgeville a better place to open, operate, and expand a business? We already have, as far as downtown uh, businesses are concerned, we have a loan pool, uh, very, very low interest uh, that um, 
not too many businesses have taken advantage of. Uh, I, I think part of that is what we've gone through the last couple of years with COVID. Uh, before that, uh, a lot of businesses, uh, mine included, are still reeling somewhat from uh, the, uh, the closing of Ream in Central State, all the uh, employment that was lost. Um, and I, I think that but beyond trying to educate individuals that are wanting to be able to get into small business so that they can have the best chance of success, I don't know what else can be done. I, I, I think that would, would probably help more than anything. Uh, too many times people have uh, what they feel like is a good idea, and they have a little extra money, and they borrow some money, and they put it in, and they put all their effort and, and time and, and uh, everything into it, and it, and it still doesn't work. And, and maybe if they'd had a, a helping hand, if somebody had reached out uh, with some knowledge or experience or whatever, it might have made a difference. And um, I just, um, it, it's, that, that's a, a difficult situation to not only predict, but also to, uh, to assist. And in your opinion, is it possible and appropriate for the city to take on uh, some of that educational role uh, to help people foster a better business climate here? I think to an extent, uh, the local Chamber of Commerce uh, fills that role, and uh, that is their intent. That's also the, uh, the intent of the, the state Chamber of Commerce and what they want to see uh, come through on the local level. Um, as far as uh, what the city has done, we, we do that uh, through Main Street. We fund Main Street. Uh, it's grown tremendously. We have a lot of success in it, have had, and uh, will continue to have. A lot of that is, uh, is directly correlated with the growth of George College and GMC. But I think also at the same time, uh, the assistance that is there for individuals coming in that uh, either want to rent or do they want to buy a piece of property? How do they want to get into it? Will their idea work? Will it mesh with what's there? A lot of those questions are answered within Main Street. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I think I'd, I'd like to see the, the city be able to reach out and, and try to uh, represent vacant properties that are out on 441 that are on the south side of town uh, on 441 and in other areas. And, and uh, I think, you know, beyond that, um, you're, you're going to have to start to try to figure out how are you going to cover your expenses and uh, how, how much do you get involved um, one thing that we're very much going to get involved with that I think will help overall is that, uh, and that the county has been doing a fantastic job with, and that is blight. And uh, we're getting ready to, to really get rolling with that.
How much of an effect do you feel that blight has on our perceptions of the communities we live in, especially here in Milledgeville? You know, one thing that uh, when I first was reelected, <clears throat> our city manager at that point in time, he got all the elected officials and put us on a bus and we rode around town and he pointed out things to us. I've, I've been here all my life and there were things that I saw that I never see. Uh, you get so caught up sometime in your daily travel and, and your thinking while you're driving or whatever, and you just are blind to the things that are right in front of you that uh, that somebody new comes in and, and looks, and that's the first thing they see, a dilapidated building, uh, something that's dangerous. And, um, you know, that's it's a, it's a situation where uh, if – if we don't stay on top of it, it becomes a part of us and we are oblivious. And uh, that is unfortunate, especially in, in the light of having anybody come in and visit. What can we do right now to make sure we are prepared to take advantage of economic opportunity when it comes knocking? I think we have a lot that is already in place. The part about economic development, uh, opportunities that come, is, is how much do you do ahead of time? How much money do you spend in trying to uh, have things available? Uh, we had a spec building for years and years and years, and it, and it finally was purchased, and, and we have a, a business in it. Uh, I don't know that there's interest in even putting up another spec building. Uh, it's, it's, uh, and the reason I point that out is because you're expending funds in hope of attracting. Um, you know, we have a, a piece of property that, um, that the county now has that is uh, developable, and, but there are things that are going to have to be done if opportunity comes knocking, and that is extending uh, water and sewer lines, uh, putting in possibly putting in some rail spurs, uh, several different things that are really going to cost some money. Uh, when opportunity is there, you can justify that expense because you feel like you're going to get something back out of it. Uh, when you do it uh, – in in lieu of the hope that someone's going to come knocking, then it becomes a tremendous risk of funds and funds that maybe could be used elsewhere. And so we're coming to the, the kind of closing thoughts uh, sections um, of our questions today. Um, we are living through one of the most challenging times in our nation's history. What must elected officials do to help pull our nation together? And how will you work toward that effort during your next term in office? What I see on a national level is a polarization of different ideals. Um, unfortunately, we seem to be fragmenting into uh, either conservative or liberal. And there is uh, no in-between. Um, the good thing about 
local politics is that it is nonpartisan. And while we may have different values or we may have different ideals, uh, we're all uh, here for a common good, and that is our community and our way of life. Um, that in itself makes it a little bit easier to try to figure out exactly what we do need to do going forward to make this a better place to live. Uh, I think it also uh, makes those individuals that want to speak up and, and uh, give their ideas uh, to elected officials, it makes it a lot easier because they're not worried about whether or not they're going to step on somebody's toes or whether or not they're going to offend somebody. Uh, they, they have that opportunity to be able to have a voice that is heard, uh, whether it's individually through one elected official or to the whole body. Um, and I, I think, um, you know, this is, this is grassroots and this is where America is. And uh, it's not on the national stage, just not on the world stage, not in my mind anyway. Uh, there's a lot that certainly goes on every day, but when it comes down to it, it's all about where do you live. And I want to thank you very much for taking the time today to come and speak uh, to our radio audience. And uh, one way of doing that is I want to reserve this last time for you um, and give you the opportunity to speak directly to our radio audience. Um, why should members of our radio audience vote for you? Number one, I am a business person. Uh, I've been in a family-owned business uh, for 43 years now. And uh, I own the business. I'm second generation. Uh, I say this to point out the fact that I am uh, fiscally conservative. Uh, I want to make sure that every dollar counts, that it is spent wisely. Uh, I think that that's something that I have brought uh, forth over the last, um, since 2006, since I've been back uh, within city council. I'm also an individual that uh, is willing to listen much more so than willing to talk. And I have found uh, that uh, while I have good ideas, everybody else does too. And uh, a lot of times we all think the same way, but we're too busy trying to get our points across without listening to who's actually trying to say, hey, I'm thinking the same way you are. Uh, I, I think that is, uh, is something that uh, if I take anything away from being an elected official on a local basis, it's uh, that everybody has the right to be able to voice their opinion. And uh, I'm willing to listen. Always have been and always will. Steve Chambers, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to our radio audience today on Millinger Matters. Thank you so much, Daniel. I appreciate the opportunity. It's been my pleasure.